Welcome to the Growing Rural Podcast, where we focus on all things rural in South Carolina. We will discuss topics on healthcare, economy, education, and the unique culture that is our rural state. This podcast is supported by the South Carolina Center for Rural and Primary Healthcare. Please join us for today's topic. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Growing Rural Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kevin Bennett. Our guests today are Xavier Blake and Betsy Newman, producers at SCE TV. We're here today to talk about an upcoming documentary, Gullah Roots, airing Thursday, October 1st at 9 p.m. on your local SCE TV channel. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having us. So tell us a little bit about uh, this documentary and I guess more to the point, the, the people of the documentary, the Gullah people. I know, you know, not growing up here in South Carolina, this is a newish thing for me to learn about coming down here. So tell me a little bit about that and how you became interested in that. The impetus to uh, create this came from Amadou Masali, who is the, he's a Sierra Leonean living in Texas, and he is the person who um, produced the tour that we documented. And I met him at the um, International Gullah Geechee Conference in, uh, at Coastal Carolina in 2018. And he, he approached me about uh, getting ETV involved because ETV produced the first Gullah Homecoming documentary, Family Across the Sea, in 1989. So he, you know, was uh, encouraging us to do a follow-up. Right, yeah. Um, Dom, uh, Domino Bulwer and Tim Carey uh, produced that documentary for ETV back in 1989, and, uh, and we thought it would be a good time to kind of revisit that trip and that story. So these are termed homecoming trips, is that correct? Yes, I think that's a great way to refer to them. Yeah, I do, because the connection between Sierra Leone and the Gullah Geechee community here in South Carolina is really a straight-line connection. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we found on our trip uh, how how many of the cultural uh, uh, things were connected, the food, the dance, the music. The language. um, The language is all kind of Mm -hmm. the same. And um, the, 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 the migration, well, not the migration, the enslavement of the Africans from Sierra Leone that were brought here mm-hmm. created this culture of, of Gullah Geechee people. And so the Gullah Geechee are essentially maintaining a lot of these traditions, cultures that came over from Africa, correct? Mm-hmm. They're kind of referred to as cultural retentions. Okay. These are, you know, they have remained alive and vital in the Gullah Geechee community, which actually... Uh, runs from North Carolina, around Wilmington, North Carolina, all the way down to Jacksonville, Florida. And we had a a group of uh, Gullah Geechee people from Georgia on the trip as well. And I think the one important thing about our trip that was a little bit different in 1989 is this trip was more of a a people trip. The the one in 89 was more of a state-sponsored trip. Um, But this one was kind of, like I said, organized by Amadou Masali, and it was just a a really incredible group of people that we got to go with. And I think that was what really made this trip a little bit bit special for us. So who all went on this trip, and where'd they come (laughs) from, and why did they go? (laughs) Well, we... we There's a who's who among Gullah Geechee people. There's a who's who, yeah. Um, No, Ron and Allie Days, uh, Auntie Pearlie Sue of the Gullah Kinfolk in Beaufort, uh, Victoria Smalls, who's also a maven for the Sockline Arts Commission, um, the Relaford family from Georgia. Right, the Relaford um, slash Moran family from Georgia. There and were just lots of scholars and, and mm-hmm. just people that were really in tune to the Gullah Geechee history and the culture of, of what came from Sierra Leone. Okay. The, uh, 
Veronica Gerald, oh, yeah. uh, retired professor from Coastal Carolina, and Eric Crawford, from mm. also from Coastal. And interestingly, the Day's uh, kids oh, came, right. it, Simeon and Sarah Day's, and their parents, uh, Ron and Natalie, had a show on Nickelodeon called mm-hmm. Gullah Gullah Island that mm-hmm. people from certain of a certain age will remember. <laughs> yes, we watched that with my boys when they were growing up. So. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing about Ron uh, that I think is really special is he can trace his lineage directly back to Sierra Leone. Wow. So for him to go home is really going home. Yeah. And, I, and I think a lot of people on the trip realized that when we got there, there were these these strong connections that you know were, were family connections. And, mm-hmm. and we, it was like a family trip. Right. And it I, really was. I understand it's rather difficult to trace back, correct? Because of the way folks were brought over and names and all that was lost for a lot of folks. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, uh, you know, as, as a white person, I, I can't really experience the full uh, emotional reality of that. But, right. um, yeah, I mean, when you think about the brutality of that, you know, that forced migration of right. people um, and and then how you lost touch and you you can't really and I think with African Americans you can only trace back to a certain year or so yeah correct because the way like I said, the, a good point mm-hmm. the way the records were kept were not kept very well because we were considered property and right. so it was hard to right. keep, keep that record um, but there's been a lot of uh, progress with, with mm-hmm. that and people are really finding these connections and linking them and, and linking and linking and linking which has really been fantastic especially right. these days I think so when you're talking about not being able to trace your lineage back. I noticed in the documentary there's a lot of people talking about that, almost like an erasure, like the culture was suppressed, they were told that the language, you shouldn't speak in that language, um, I believe one person said something about, oh, you should get a real culture. You know, I imagine that's a big thing in the community and the big reason why these homecomings are so special, right? Yeah, for me, one of the most important uh, parts of this documentary was helping to tell history. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes in America, history gets kind of told in ways that isn't complete, full, or truthful, or full. Um, And so making these connections about where people came from and why they came to America was really important for for Betsy and I. Um, And so to hear these stories of people that were enslaved and brought here because of their ability to grow rice and and do things in America. And so... That, that part of America's history sometimes gets erased, like you said. And so it's important to, to remember what was happening then and why it was happening and, um, and, and show why it was so important to remember those people that came over. I think one of the, I mean, there were many moments that were very affecting for, for us. One of the strongest ones to me was uh, when um, a, a man, a member of the Gullah Kinfolk, a performer in the Gullah Kinfolk, uh, talked about they were in the little village of Tiama, and they had just made uh, Anita Singleton Prather a, a, a chief. Mm-hmm. And then everybody went outside, and they began to move in this counterclockwise dance that he recognized from when he was a little boy. And he's probably in his 70s now, I think. And mm-hmm. so a long time ago in Lexington, South Carolina, at his grandparents' church, he saw the ring shout you know what was called the ring shout yeah i I found that ring shout concept very fascinating because i'd never heard of that before there's many things in this documentary that i've never heard of before and never seen before and that's why i think this is a beautiful thing to 
bring these to the light, the culture, the history that is, like you said, seemingly lost or not told. Well, and the language, you know, uh, you know, the Gullah language is something that, you know, the Gullah people for a long time were told not to speak that way. Right. Um, you know, Penn Center School was very important in upholding those traditions. And, right. and you know, we got over to Sierra Leone and, and they, they speak a, a Creole, which is very similar to Gullah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they speak so fast and, and the Gullah people couldn't really understand them. And so they had to slow down a little bit. But you realize that the similarities in the in the language and, and, and that people kind of preserve, preserve that language in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's, it's such a strong, it just shows how strong the people were um, mm-hmm. to be able to preserve those those languages and those foods and those customs through all the, 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 the hardships that were forced upon them when they were brought to this country. Right, right. The um, part of the documentary about the rice I also found very fascinating because, yeah. you know, again, I grew up in Virginia, you know, which I often say before I moved down here, I thought that was the South, but it's <laughs> very clearly not. Um, but, you know, I think people think of slavery. People were brought over just for brute forced physical labor, but they really hit home in this work that is great that they were brought over for their expertise, for their technical knowledge to grow this rice and the managerial and expertise. And, you know, they were experts at this thing. And so we, you know, they were stolen and brought over and co-opted and the economy was built off their backs. That's a fascinating concept. It's a, it's a little bit of a twist, like you said, on it's not told the right way. But I think once you learn that, you start seeing it a little bit differently. But you and I were talking earlier, and I was telling you how, uh, you know, people, Emory Campbell, when we interviewed him, said, when you go to Africa, it changes you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was telling you, I never felt more American than when I was in Africa, which was kind of striking to me as being an African-American man. I thought mm-hmm. I'd feel at home and I'd feel like this was my place. And I surely felt that that's where I came from. But I did understand after hearing how people were enslaved because of their uh, ability to grow rice and their creativity and ingenuity that you realize that the the contributions made by African-Americans to America are so great. And we don't always hear about those. So so that makes America just as much African-Americans as anybody's. And I think we have to sometimes embrace that history and it'll really uh, make things uh, better going forward. Um, It's it's so difficult to... uh, to treat people a certain way when you know their history and their background. And I think if we can, uh, and one of the things we want to do as a documentary was to give people a, a full history of the enslavement of African-Americans that were brought here and the contributions they made to this country. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you know that history of a people, you can you can treat people differently, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Everybody thinks of the, it was just cotton right. in the South, sure, right. you know? But there, in particularly in South Carolina and Georgia, that rice was a huge, huge crop. Millions of pounds of rice a year, incredibly, you know, sort of uh, uh, produced by hand, you know, Mm -hmm. and made massive fortunes for uh, people along the coast, white people, you know, Mm in um, South Carolina and Georgia. And uh, that's, I, I didn't know that for, for Yeah, there, a there was time. a moment that Joel Paula was talking about something, and everybody knows the same for, for all the tea in China. But he said back then people would say for all the rice in Carolina, mm-hmm. because that was the compilation you made between how much money it was making for people here in this, in, in this state, yeah. which is amazing to think. Yeah. 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 All those, you know, those beautiful houses in Charleston, you know, a lot of them were paid for by rice. And sure. They, and labor of enslaved people and and not just labor but as you say the expertise that stolen knowledge was a concept like I said I never really thought about before 
sure. that was really brought well to the light here. That, that was one of our main goals of this documentary. I think one of the questions we asked every interviewee when we got back was, you know, can you talk about the contributions of African Americans to this country and, and, and how that's not always discussed? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to complete that circle, I think, was something that we also found, you know, because it, it is a circle. You know, mm-hmm. people came from Sierra Leone mm-hmm. and people went back to Sierra Leone, you know, mm-hmm. and so to complete that that cycle of, of family is something that we really wanted to, to bring home in this documentary. Yeah, and I think, was it the mayor that <laughs> yeah, really typified that? Talk, sure. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Well, she is a Creole person, mm-hmm. and the Creole in Sierra Leone are descended from uh, enslaved people who went, who went so, so they went to Carolina and Georgia and, and were enslaved, and then a lot of them joined this was during the revolutionary war they joined the british mm-hmm. and after the war and where the british lost uh they went they sent a lot of these um Af- well now by now african americans to nova scotia hmm. and that was not uh, a welcoming place right <laughs> and in many ways i mean there was they encountered a lot of racism sure but also it was very cold yeah, the and they couldn't very different. yeah it was just not the place for them so then a lot of them then went back to Sierra Leone and they became the Creole people and so um, and found it Freetown and, fa- and they found it Freetown right. exactly and that the beautiful mayor um, is one of a descendant from from those people right so she's a, exemplifying that cycle of return right? yeah and and she's been here a couple of times mm-hmm. down to Penn Center and then mm-hmm. she was here for the, the the groundbreaking for the International African American Museum in Charleston that's right. going to be opening very soon right. um, which we think is going to be an incredible uh, connection to Sierra Leone and, and Charleston right um, I do believe they became sister cities as well they're sister cities mm-hmm. um, yeah Freetown which, and and Charleston yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I found that 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 they are twin cities now an interesting linkage in that cycle of return that kept coming up. People kept saying this over and over again, that yeah. going back, it felt like they were closing the loop and rediscovering their cultural past and their ancestors and understanding better. Is that a, do you think that was intentional or was that just kind of by way of this movement kind of came, came to be? Uh, Nita Pretho said, you know, when you know what you come from, you know your history, it gives you a different type of pride and a different mm-hmm. way of being. And um, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes uh, you know, in America, African-Americans don't always have that pride. Mm-hmm. And, and we should because we we built a lot of this country right. um, and we developed a lot of wealth for this country. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think when you know that history and you're able to, to speak about it and know where, that you, where you come from. Um, uh, one of the things that I, I found interesting is they kept saying that there were no slaves in Africa. They only became slaves when they came to America, you know, and, and that's something I think that's a concept that's important to, to kind of recognize. The Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Corridor uh, is connected to these this series of films, mm-hmm. uh, according to Emory Campbell. You know, when they went to Sierra Leone in 1989 and they documented in the film Family Across the Sea and they came back and then at that point, Emory saw the need for a Gullah Geechee museum or cultural center at Penn Center and at least this is how Emory tells it he then contacted Congressman Clyburn mm-hmm. and Congressman Clyburn said hey, this is Emory no we're not going to have just have something at Penn Center we're going to have a national cultural heritage corridor and so mm-hmm. Clyburn began the process because that's a fe- at the federal level right, you right. know um, and it, it has been 
I'm not sure how long exactly when it was established, but um, it, the current director, uh, Heather Hodges, is really doing a great job, I think, in producing a lot of events and uh, film screenings and all sorts of things all along the corridor. And I think it's a fabulous thing. And as she pointed out, that it's the only national cultural heritage corridor that has a group of people mm-hmm. as its basis, you know? Yeah, that's really great. And so the museum in Charleston, is that tied to that? Is that how that came to be? Or is it kind of just you know, because I think, it's Charleston? Well, I mean, there's a big group of people who've been working on you know, promoting Gullah Geechee culture for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And Emery, I think, was kind of the leader, you know, at, at the beginning, like 30 years ago. But there are a lot of people involved. Michael Bulware-Moore, um, whom we interviewed for the film, um, was very involved at the beginning of, of raising a lot of money for the museum. And, uh, you know, um, the mayor of Charleston, um, Joe Riley, uh, but but working with uh, Victoria Smalls and and the commissioners, the corridor commissioners, yeah, I think it it's great because it's all kind of a big movement. Would you say? X? Yeah, you know, I think this time in in America's history is really important to right. to remember the history of what happened back then. Um, you know, I think Charleston. I think over 50% of slaves that came to America came through the ports of Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think to put a, a African-American museum on the very spot where lots of, most of the slaves that came to this country came through is really, uh, really important, right. really timely. Right. Um, and so I, it's specifically uh, done there for a really good reason, I think. Just speaking of Michael Bulware-Moore, uh, he is the great or great, great, grandson of Robert Smalls, who Hmm. was a very famous person during Reconstruction who escaped with his family through the Union lines, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, stole the ship and and went on to serve in Congress. And so the history is very long and very deep and, and... it is really the history of our country, as mm-hmm. Xavier said. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, it. You cannot separate the history of African Americans from the history of America, right. and particularly these people who have have were really the the, the beginning of Af- as as Xavier said. I mean, over fifty percent of all enslaved people came through South Carolina. Right. So. And I think we're, like I, I, I said again, I think we're at a point, you know, where the people want to know more about the history. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the 1619 project that was done by the New York Times is an incredible piece of, mm-hmm. of work that kind of you know, piggybacks on what we're trying to do with this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we're trying to do with the, they're trying to do with the museum in Charleston. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when you give people a point of reference of a people's history, you can think about those people differently. Right. Um, I visited the African American Museum in D.C. in January, and um, I was blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, when you know a people, you have a hard, harder time treating a people a certain way. Right. And I always think education is the way we get out of this this thing we're in now, this, this racism and this, this white supremacy. And I think if we if we know a people, we, we treat a people differently. Right. And we hope that this documentary can help bring a little little knowledge and history to people about the contributions of African Americans to this country and, and to South Carolina specifically. 
um, and that these people are still here, you know, right. trying to preserve the culture and, right. and trying to live the way that the Gullah people always lived and, and food and, and heritage and, and, and dance and language. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I just I get so excited because the contributions that African Americans have made to this country are just so numerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all love great food and music and dance, mm-hmm. and I just think all that plays out in what what the enslaved people brought over from a time when it was really really a tough time for them. And speaking of all that, we can still go see and experience this today, right? They have festivals and things like that all yes. along the coast for um, these kinds of things. The whole idea of heritage tourism, I think, is growing mm-hmm. in the Gullah communities along the coast and, and inland, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really important element of going forward into the future mm-hmm. for the Gullah people to be able to make uh, money off their culture, you know what I mean, um, to... Because as as Anita Singleton Prather points out in the film, you know, so many tourists come down to Hilton Head, to Beaufort, to Myrtle Beach, um, and don't have a sense of the Gullah history or the African-American history. And the African-American population doesn't necessarily benefit the way that they should from that tourism so i think the more the idea of heritage tourism can be built up and and amadou masali is very much um in favor of that and you know creating a kind of tradition of heritage tourism in sierra leone and Mm -hmm. having it back and forth you know because the thing is as we said the the thing about it is that that it is a back and forth. It's and when they when um, the producers of Family Across the Sea told us when they thought of that title, they didn't just mean from South Carolina looking to Sierra Leone. They also meant from Sierra Leone looking looking mm-hmm. to the Gullah region of our of our country. You know. Right. So, but I am hopeful that heritage tourism can really uh, start to pay off. For the Gullah community. So these are small rural coastal communities. They don't have a lot of economic opportunities other than this heritage tourism that could be helpful for them economically, but also educate folks who go, right? That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there are so many other issues too. You know, right. I, I was just talking last night with some friends of mine who bought a little Freedman's cottage in, in uh, Beaufort about. 10 years ago and paid very little money for it and mm-hmm. at the time uh, Beaufort was uh, an affordable place to live and they were saying that now around the corner from their this house that they bought are you know $300,000 condos right next to Anita is a, a $400,000 house right. so this right. is now getting into the whole issue of heirs property and mm-hmm gentrification and development and how does that um, benefit our our black population right and that's a very big issue right yeah well, yeah one of the important things is preserving the culture and the land you know mm-hmm. a lot of times land gets you know taken away from people and, and that's how the culture gets lost right um, there are a lot of issues with that down in Georgia as well at Super Bowl Island mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and in Beaufort as well mm-hmm. where uh, land preservation is important for to, to retain this culture right because the, the, the people are one thing but the land is also what the people work off of and they right. they build off of and how they preserve this culture mm-hmm. so that is something we hope to bring um, highlights to with this documentary as well is preserving this culture because it's so uh, 
like Bessie said, African-American history is American history. Mm -hmm. And I I think uh, once we accept that fact and we understand that, we can all move forward into a place where we all should be in this country. Right. So how do you bring tourists in without hotels and restaurants? That's a good question. Gas stations. That's a great question. (laughs) Infrastructure is very important. You know, know, uh, there was some uh, senator that said, you know, show me your district. And he said, our our taxes are so low. It's like, yeah, you have no infrastructure. You don't have roads. You don't have stuff. But, you know, I think there's ways to work around that. Sure. Now, I think uh, the Airbnb experience is good. You know, the Mm -hmm. Busky Island has things, places where you can stay on the island Mm -hmm. and places that ancestors have. And so I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we have to be a consciously done. Uh, I think things get done a lot of times when you're intentional about your actions. Right. And so I think if we're we're intentional in preserving the culture and trying Mm -hmm. to keep the culture where it is, we can we can make it happen. Yeah. Going back to the concept of ingenuity. Yeah. You know, brought most of them here. Sure. Let's turn it around and right enable it to keep their culture and empower their communities, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's been a kind of myth about Gullah culture that it's dying out. Hmm. And uh, it is not dying out. (laughs) And it's flourishing. And in its um, different forms, you know, it's taking different forms. We looked at the young, the uh, Sarah and Simeon days, you know, uh, are in, in a different way bringing Gullah culture to people of their generation and who are in their 20s and 30s now yeah carrying it on carrying it on absolutely yeah, that's great i just want to say that you know i was really happy and blessed and lucky to be able to go on the trip with betsy it was a really tough trip uh travel wise and work wise but i think it was a labor of love and and the group of people on the trip really became a family mm-hmm. um, the, the whole idea of the the concept of going home and, and being a family was something that i think really we all found on that trip you know it was 14 days of travel and throughout the country and you know sometimes not the most ideal situations right right um but i think everybody understood how important the trip was mm-hmm. and what it meant to be there at this moment in in this time and um so like i said i'm just i can't i don't know, i can't thank enough people for just being able to go and be a part of such a, a beautiful trip and uh and to help produce such a i think a, a really beautiful documentary yeah, I think I could just reiterate that and say we were honored to be part of that group, that group of people who have been working for decades mm-hmm. to bring awareness of Gullah culture forward and to improve the lives of Gullah people. Uh, so how fortunate we were to get to spend time with them and, and then to tell, help, help to tell their story when we got back. Right. Yeah, and I'll have to say, you know, having seen the documentary, that you guys did a wonderful job of bringing that forward. And so for those of us who can't travel to Africa for two weeks, you know, we got a really good sense of the culture, the people, that cycle of return. You know, it really came forth. And I think that's the beauty of these kinds of arts projects, the documentaries, music, everything that you're bringing the culture to us, those that never would have experienced it otherwise. So I think you guys did a great job of that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. One thing that I see, I that practice. We talk a lot about rural South Carolina here in the podcast and other places, and you often hear a lot of negatives. So just from your own experiences, tell me something good about rural South Carolina that you've seen and experienced. I have to say the people, mm-hmm. you know, just such wonderful warm welcoming people our work with the arts commission and their rural initiative has introduced us to and i have to say a lot of them are women (laughs) (laughs) amazing really amazing black women Mm. who uh are just 
the best. Cool. Yeah, and I grew up in Bamberg, South Carolina, and, and, I'm, and I always tell people, no matter where I go, I'm always so proud to be from Bamberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents still live there in the house I grew up in, and, and I go back as much as I can. And, and like Betsy said, the people are always great. Uh, I like to run sometimes, and so when I'm home, I'll go running down the street, and I have to spend more time waving at people mm-hmm. than I do jogging, because everybody you pass wants to wave. And, um, and so the people, like I said, are incredible, and I, I totally agree with Betsy. Um, rural South Carolina, it's a gym lots of gyms down there and I think um, we should always highlight those people in those communities doing the, doing the work right. the incredible work that they do right. um, but like I said I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be from anywhere else except Bamberg we always ask our guests how you define rural if you had to define it with someone who wasn't familiar with it how would you define rural well you know I, I live in a neighborhood in North Columbia and I've been involved with an initiative to try to get sidewalks in uh, installed but someone was telling me the other day that when that neighborhood was being developed they wanted it to have a rural look mm-hmm. and so I've been thinking about it a little differently lately and how how beautiful it is uh, without the sidewalks I mean right. just to drive up these really basically country looking roads right mm-hmm. here in Columbia and there's a beauty to rural life that I think you can even find it here mm-hmm. in our in our capital city. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm going to go back to Bamberg because <laughs> we have we have two stoplights in Bamberg and one of those is one of those flashing caution lights and so right. for, to me I think of rural as a town that doesn't have a whole lot of stoplights you know or you know a town where you know there's a there's a place called Big Chick that we used to go and get food. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of a lot of restaurants, a lot of meat in three places. You mm-hmm. know, um, you know we do a lot of traveling throughout the state and we we go to these rural areas and we love going to the the, the town meat and three. You know, mm-hmm. maybe a a restaurant in a gas station that you don't know about. You right. know, and right. so to, to so to me, rural is just—it's just home. It just feels homey. The Piggly Wiggly restaurant. Yeah, the Piggly Wiggly yeah. restaurant in East yeah. South Carolina. Like there's so many yeah. places like that 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 define rural to me. You know, you know. I've you actually know. been to that one. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it it's is. Good. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, where can you pick your steak out at Piggly Wiggly and take it to the restaurant and get them to cook it for you? Right, right. Yeah, that doesn't happen in Columbia. <laughs> no. No, you're right. So that's rural to me. Well, that's great. Well, thank you both for coming. Uh, this has been a great conversation. And again, the documentary is wonderful. I hope all our listeners go and watch it. It's on SEETV. It's premiering Thursday, October 1st at 9 p.m. Um, and it should be available online for passport holders. Is that how that works? I believe so. Yeah, I do believe so, yes. Something yeah. like that. So yeah. Yeah. Go, to the, go to your local website and um, try to find it. And we'll put links to different things in the show notes for this episode as well. So thanks again. Thank you again for having us. Thank you. That was a great conversation. Uh, thanks to our guests for coming in to talk about that documentary, the Gullah Roots documentary on SETV. I have with me Dr. Megan Weiss, uh, our Director of Community Engagement from the Center for Rural and Primary Healthcare. I know she's watched the documentary as well. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's just so much in there that I thought it would be good for us to talk about. Just some of the things that we learned, um, some of the things that popped out that was just striking and just I think will sit with me for a long time um you know one thing one theme I guess throughout the the documentary that really hit me was this concept of erasing their history and erasing their culture uh it seemed to be very deliberate you know trying to squash their language and their songs and their Mm -hmm. religious practices and you know one of the gentlemen in the documentary made the comment of someone told him to get a real culture you know in other words get our culture not your culture and 
just didn't know, you know, Megan, what you thought about that. What what struck you about that? Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, I this um the the documentary was really wonderful, um, wonderfully done, and extremely moving for me to watch. And I I think I had a similar experience in that. There is, you know, so much beauty and joy in the language and the song, but then also realizing how much I didn't know. I hadn't been taught, and Mm -hmm. um, I think those um, were deliberate omissions Mm -hmm. um, over time with the connections of the language and the the music and and the songs and even just learning about the Revolutionary War history of how Freetown was even founded. that 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 was all new to me. Um, I did grow up uh, outside Boston um, mm-hmm. before moving to South Carolina in, in high school, but I've been here, you know, for a long, long time, and I just did not know and hadn't been something I'd, I'd learned before. One of the things that that really got me in, in the documentary was um, the song that had been passed down through mm-hmm. generations and, and generations and then being able to find the village in Sierra Leone where the, the song was originally sung right. to to know that despite being stolen and having their bodies and their knowledge um, being being stolen and um, you know applied to, to, to build our country mm-hmm. that even still that, that remained and that, that connection the was there and that that persistence, mm-hmm. um, I, I found that incredibly moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were so many things, like when they were talking about the ring shout. I don't know if you'd mm-hmm. ever heard of the ring shout before. I hadn't before. Right, and I had not either. And that was fascinating, you know, these Gullah folks in the South Carolina talking about this is something they've seen, and they go over to Africa, and they see it over there. And it's it's an echo of it, but it's, it's the same thing. And how these things persist despite the hardships and despite mm-hmm. the constant pressure to do away with all of it it still persisted i thought it was very very powerful yeah and watching the documentary this is this is not nearly anything as um meaningful and powerful as as what um the the people and the families who you know literally being reunited you know with with history and culture and how and how they were talking the documentary not only from you know the americans going to sierra leone but the sierra leoneans realizing and seeing that they had family um across Mm -hmm. the sea as well as Mm -hmm. i had served in in the peace corps in malawi which is over five thousand miles away um you know africa is a huge continent and in, in watching the documentary there were so many similarities um, even there, and it kind of took me back to that experience. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I I had seen in this the documentary reinforced to me is you know I I had gone you know I wanted to help people you know say help save the world you know and, and went to Malawi and I had an experience coming home to South Carolina um, about the year after I returned from, from the Peace Corps and was driving through with um, my now husband who act, who also served and we we just had a moment where there were some smells and we were looking around and, and it was. Um, we were transported back. Mm-hmm. So just seeing um, the connections and, you know, even just that small fleeting connection there and, and seeing the importance in, in what was there and how we're connected, but then mm-hmm. truly how deeply it truly, truly, truly is, um, even though that, as you said, that erasure um, w- was occurring. Yeah, and I, it, it's fascinating, this concept. You know, I, I've done my genealogy, for example, and I've been able to trace my ancestors back in this country back to the 1700s, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating. But for these folks who were stolen and brought over, they don't have that luxury. They don't have that ability. And there's this that erasure that, that kept coming up and that disconnect that I, you know, 
putting yourself in those shoes of not mm-hmm. knowing where your ancestors came from, not knowing who who they even were, is it's kind of traumatic. And they were talking about that mm-hmm. as a trauma. And you could see that in the documentary, people that when they got to Africa, they were just in tears and because they could instantly feel that connection. And they were able mm-hmm. to talk to them and see similar things that they uh, grew up with and saw their mothers or grandmothers do. And mm-hmm. that, that really stuck with me, that whole, that cycle of, uh, almost a redemptive cycle of yeah. reconnecting with their roots, where they came from, and seeing it again was really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Um, w- one of the other aspects of, of the documentary, which I found um, hopeful, um, is in talking about with heritage tourism mm-hmm. and being able to see, okay, you know, we, we have these roots, we, we have these connections, mm-hmm. both in Sierra Leone and in the, in the low country and along our coast, um, being able to, to take that and, and share with it um, and, and mm-hmm. share the culture and the more uh, about the culture and you know economic development and some mm-hmm. of those o- other opportunities. And I think that would be fascinating when you can go to these places that mm-hmm. maintain some of these cultures. Heritage tourism is great because you can go to where they are, you can experience some of their culture, and you can see and hear from them directly their story from their perspective. I think that's the biggest thing that I think is lacking. You know, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in Virginia. And I think we were taught a very, very different version of slavery, of the Civil War, Mm -hmm. of all those things than people in other parts of the country were taught. Um, But hearing, you know, for example, with the rice, you Mm -hmm. know, they were they were brought over, not not just for uh, physical labor, which is kind of what I was taught. They were just Mm -hmm people out working in the fields well they they were brought over because they knew how to grow rice and mm-hmm. they knew how to do it extremely well and they had a great skill and expertise and we essentially stole them and took that from them yes um and so how do we deal with that as a culture now i think our current environment is theoretically at least on the forefront becoming more aware of some of these issues so how do we take that and go forward i think heritage mm-hmm. tourism is a big piece of that mm-hmm. and i i do think we have to be careful and and by we i i mean everyone who is not Gullah Geechee, right. <laughs> um and and understanding that it is not up to us to create what that would look like right but the communities themselves and right. you know they talked about um i think it was the penn center and you know really growing organically and supporting those efforts that are already in exist right. from the people who live there and it is their heritage this isn't um some an opportunity to come in and, and do right. but to maybe help support and work with for the efforts that are already there right to take a step back and to mm-hmm. listen and then to use what we do have to amplify. I think that's been one of our goals with this podcast and a lot of the work I've done. You know, I'm you know, I'm not a person of color, so I you know, I don't feel like I have a a stake in this battle per se, but I definitely think that there's a role for us mm-hmm. to play, um, as folks who are not people of color mm-hmm. to take what we have and use it to amplify voices of people who haven't been heard before. And I, I think this documentary does a wonderful, wonderful job of that and I hope that everybody listening goes and watches it and learns mm-hmm. something from it. Yeah, I, I really hope that um, everyone out there takes the opportunity to be able to see mm-hmm. see the um, see the documentary. It, it's extremely well done and just a- incredibly moving. You can see see the emotion, um, right. being able to learn, um, and um, I th- it, it's going to stay with me for yeah. a while. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Megan, for joining me with this. Thanks, um, thanks for the opportunity, and uh, look forward to being able to chat again sometime. 
Thanks for listening to the Growing Rural Podcast. If you found the content valuable, please leave a rating on iTunes or Spotify so others can find us. For more information, please visit our website at sc.edu forward slash rural healthcare or follow us on Twitter at sc underscore crph. This was recorded at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Columbia. It is edited and produced by Sean Riffle. Y'all take care.